0: Hi, this is Mami, and um, a warm welcome to our first episode of a series of conversations around how language can support inclusiveness and diversity in the workplace. So this afternoon, I am pleased to have with me Dr. Colin Carter, who's been a supervisor and now a mentor, a friend, a coach to just talk about her work and the role she thinks language can play in helping organizations to be more diverse and inclusive. So Colleen, thank you again for agreeing to speak with me this afternoon. And we'll just kick it off by you introducing yourself and telling us a bit more about yourself and the work you've done in the area of language generally. Okay.
1: Thank you, Mame, Um, and I'm very honored to be um, your first guest Um, on your uh, podcast. I think it's going to be excellent. Um, And uh, my name is Colleen Cotter, and uh, you can hear by my accent that even though we are um, recording this at Queen Mary University of London um, on the campus with Mile End Road, off in the distance, you might hear that. um, That's what you're hearing. Um, um, I've been here in the UK for... um, 18 years 18 plus years and uh from the u.s i lived in different parts of the u.s i very interested in sociolinguistics language and society um have done research on language and media um, that's my primary area because i've been um, that was a first career but i've spent so much time in different communities and different types of communities and um since my um, orientation to research is linguistic anthropology, looking at language and context, language and culture, um, and language in um, social situations. That's why, um, you know, I hope that I can, um, you know, share some of my linguistic uh, insights to your listeners out there. Um, And um, I'm definitely, um, you know, I think it's important that, you know, in the workplace, I always say, you know, there's always room for a linguist because they have pretty good insights about language and teaching over the years, it's I've noticed that, uh, you know, students, um, you know, I love that time when they actually get it and they realize that, um, you know, language can be looked at as something intrinsically interesting um, for itself and also for what we do with it and also, um, you know, the extent that, you know, we're always saying something uh, about ourselves with our language. So that's why I felt like I had to, since everybody's going to be interpreting me based on my accent, you know, I had to fess up and say, yeah, it's American, it's North American, um, it's upper Midwestern. And um, I mean, that's one of the first things people pay attention um, to you, um, they, you know, how you talk and what you talk about and how you sound.
0: Thank you so much, Colleen. So I think that leads to my next question about what do you think, or what do you think, in your opinion, what has language got to do with inclusiveness, diversity, and equity? Why why focus on language? Well, I mean,
1: I think if we look at any discipline like history or economics um, or even math, I mean, what we're also, we can also look at language. We can also look at communication. And we can also look at you know how information is being conveyed. So I think um, you can look at language, and by looking at language, oh, there's some myland road sounds. Um, we, um, by looking at language, it doesn't mean that you know you come up with a list of do's and don'ts. Um, I think I've been thinking, uh, mommy, about what you're doing, you know, trying to do more generally. And in terms of um, um, in the workplace or in any kind of group situation or in a kind of community um, setting or neighborhood, um, just knowing that we come with different kind of language histories and um, language autobiographies. And if we think of it that way, then we can realize that, oh, the way that person talks you know, it might not be rude. It might be perfectly you know, normal and polite in, you know, in the context that they're familiar with. Um, you know, we've all had that experience if we've traveled, um, even if we've traveled, um, you, know, um, you know, across state lines or, you know, in you know, English speaking countries, it's always different. I remember the first time I came to um, uh, the UK to do my MA. And um, this is relevant for you know kind of workplace stuff because um, I you know always I knew that you know the British are so polite and um, you know I had I had my own set of um, kind of biases about you know how the Brits talked based on you know what I got through the media and what people said about it back in the U.S. and um, so. It struck me, you know, why I, I thought, you know, why is that person not, you know, saying excuse me? Why, why are they not, you know? I thought that's not polite. And my um, my tutor, Margaret Tucker, um, she told me that um, she actually had me do some reading on politeness theory, and I realized um, that you know, there's negative like politeness, positive politeness, and um, and it made me realize that ah, there's an there's an account for this. It's because you know you don't want to impose or, you know, sometimes what I think is polite, somebody else thinks is an imposition. So I think, you know, just trying to build language awareness and have that um, understanding that, you know, there's, you know, like even little microcultural variations and differences. So I think that could be very helpful um, you know, in the workplace, just starting with that premise. And not everybody has that. And so, and, and also language, uh, a lot of times when people who aren't linguists um, talk about language, they're really thinking about the prescriptive, you know, what their English teacher told them to do um, and how oh, well, they can't write or they're not good enough. But everybody communicates, everybody knows how to get ideas across. And also, you know, if you're open-minded about that, um, then you can begin to sort of unpack, you know, why somebody's, talking the way they're talking um, and i mean linguistics offers a lot of tools and a lot of insights and we can also when we talk about language we're talking about different facets of it we're talking about um you know the sound the intonation um, you know i remember when i first you know called somebody on the telephone um, a professor up in in edinburgh and when i was um doing my masters here and um and he said, oh, you have, you know, that the terminal rise and you know, you sound like you're so North American. And and so he was making some judgments. You know, and um he because before that he hadn't heard me talk. We had just had like an email exchange. And so you know so the sound of our voice, and we have like meanings that are attached to it. We have values that we attach to it. It indexes stuff about us. And there's certain things that, you know, I mean, I've been noticing, um, as I'm talking here, knowing that I'm not talking, I'm talking to you. I'm in a British con- I'm in a British context. So um, I'm enunciating more clearly. Um, whereas if I were talking to my sister in Wisconsin, you know, you know, I might, you know, change, change a little bit of how I'm talking, because that's just how we talk there. And you know, so um so there's aspects of our identity, and I think um it's really important that we also understand that. And so, when we're thinking about language awareness in the workplace, it's not about what's right or what's wrong. It's about understanding what's there, and also um, just realizing that um, there, in terms of communication, um, as well as you know how we sound, what words we might use, what you know kind of formulations might be polite or not. Um, also looking at interaction and knowing that, um, you know, people come with different ideas about um, how you interact with people and what kind of respect you're supposed to show. And I mean, i taught in different places. And in some places I'm, you know, Professor Cotter, in other places I'm Colleen, um, in other places I'm Dr. Cotter. And, you know, and there's like these local norms. Mm. And so there are local norms, even within the broad context, context of academia. Mm. And so understanding what that is, um, and, and realizing that people might come with
0: some different traditions behind them. Mm. I think you've, you've said a lot, and I really like the point you made about judgments. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we're constantly making judgments. So if you take an organization, for example, during the hiring process, judgments are being made about a candidate. On the job, judgments are being made about the candidates. So it is is really not doing us any good if we ignore this language awareness, because then we are misjudging people, if that's a correct word or mm-hmm. a way to look at it. You know, so my next question is, how do organizations start? So you've set a nice premise of that language awareness. So apart from raising that language awareness, you talked about interaction, paying attention to the interactions, because I think that's also another site of uh, problematic um, exchanges if it's not handled properly. So then how can organizations look at the interactions or what can they do with the interactions? And how can that help them in their efforts to be more diverse and inclusive?
1: Um, that's a huge question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we only have like about 10 more minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an excellent question. And I think that's what you're trying to unpack yeah. um, You know, with these podcasts. Yeah. So... Um, I mean you have other people who are going to talk um you know more specifically about like little aspects of language and accents and how bias can be introduced and how you can um, can deal with that um I think you know just being I, I'll say the awareness again mm-hmm. but also then maybe learning mm-hmm. uh, learning something and I don't know um I was thinking about this Uh, I mentioned earlier, um, like, a linguistic autobiography, and it makes people self-reflective as well. It makes you really aware about, like, oh, yeah, this is what um, I learned from my parents, and these are the attitudes about language that I learned from my parents. Um, These are my experiences um, elsewhere. So, um, I mean, there's been a lot of, um, like, unconscious bias training um, happening, and you know, language is part of that, and so I think at the same time, just making it really clear um, that, you know, we can look at this, but also I'm just being really kind of reluctant to Mm -hmm. say that there's this one way to go about it, and um, I think if you, you know, just tell people, you know, what some of the parameters are, like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, norms of communication. And, and the other thing too is um, you have to pay attention to the fact that, you know, there are communities of practice um, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Jean Lave from Berkeley was, you know, really instrumental in getting the communities of practice model going. And it's been adopted in so many different domains by so many different um, disciplines. So that's one way of kind of putting yourself, you have to just kind of separate yourself a little bit mm-hmm. and realize that, um, you know, you can evaluate and um, and sort of see what's going on. Like, what are the processes in place? You know, where you know where might somebody make a misinterpretation? Um, usually, when you have something like a speech event, like a hiring event, mm-hmm. you know, they're quite formulaic. And um, you know, there's a lot of work that is there. Um, you know, to try to make it as as open as possible. Um, and you know, by having you know kind of protocols that you know you can can work with, it is true. Maybe you know, you know, you and you know, in the work that you're doing, Mame, now uh, can come up with a series of questions that people can ask. Um, because sometimes I've been in so many different hiring contexts, um, in from different disciplines and different professions um, over the course of my long and varied career both inside of academia and out of it um, that i think if um, you know people realize that you know they want to have you know people who kind of share their values and sometimes language is too much of the stand-in for that and it's a little bit harder to unpack and um, understand so um, maybe some questions about okay what was the content there And um, yeah, the person really didn't have a firm handshake um, or whatever it is, is important in my culture, you know, my workplace culture. But um, I don't know, it's always interesting. Like there is this amusing movie called The Intern and there were these two guys who were basically um, older and at Google. I mean, that's worth it. Just, I mean, if if you want to like warm people up, just start thinking about that. Um, you know, you have some ageism going on in, in you know, in that movie, yeah. and uh, so I mean, they're just different way. I think there's so many different ways to get at it, mm-hmm. and um, um, making sure that there's time, you know, for the conversation and for people to understand that it is important mm-hmm. and it does have impacts, mm-hmm. um, and so communicating with people in the workplace and um, and finding out, you know, I don't know, I always. My background, you know, doing field work and talking to people and finding out what the community says about their language practices. Mm-hmm. So, anybody, you know, anyone can call themselves an expert and, um, you know, but find out what the community is saying about, you know, what's important. The other thing in um, workplace contexts is, you know, you become socialized in the workplace culture and that language is part of that. And when I was a, you know, daily newspaper reporter, um, I had to learn, you know, how to talk the talk. Um, And then when I became, you know, a linguist and an academic, I also, that was a a complete change, um, believe it or not. And so I think that kind of meta-awareness of all the processes involved that involve um, that are involved that involve language
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, is good. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving you lots of, you know, it's kind fabulous. of broad
0: ideas yeah, and nothing so quite specific. But I think I particularly like your emphasis on the focus on the community, mm-hmm. you know, so you're not coming outside with a set of rules or things say you have to do this, but paying attention to what the community already does, you know, and working around that. And that's something I've learned working with you over over these years. And I think that's an important tool of, an important thing for organizations to think about or keep in mind when they're thinking about diversity and inclusion. Because I think there's a lot of rich data in the organizations themselves Mm. that they are ignoring by not paying attention to their own practices.
1: Actually, that's a very good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Somebody like you could come along, or anybody really, um, and um, start thinking about that. Um, There's one other thing I was going to say too. Um, I mentioned earlier about hierarchy within organizations, or you know, any kind of community and um, different kind of respect. So, um, you know, the different uh, things with. you know, hierarchical, you know, norms, some occupations try to have a flat hierarchy, you know, some, you know, workplace communities, so you have to pay attention to that, too. And um, here's just one example. Um, my dad, you know, is a, is a pilot, um, teaches aviation and or, you know, has done and has worked for the FAA, and he and I worked together, we did something uh, which I mean i like the kind always like pairing somebody with industry with you know a linguist or you know a linguistic anthropologist because um we were trying to understand miscommunication and um and how it affects safety and so we looked at um crashes air crashes and we Paid attention to what was going on in the um, on the flight deck, the conversation on the flight deck, and what happened. And other people have done research on this too, like Charlotte Lindy and and, and others, and um, they have. Um, I mean, initially, and not her work, but you know, some of the industry work was again at being a little bit too um, you know black and white about it. I think because they realized, oh, the um, co-pilot, the second in command. Um, you know, he knew what was going on and didn't inform the the pilot and, or, you know, she knew and didn't inform, you know, her superior. And so instead of the industry saying, okay, let us train the captains, you know, let's train the captains to communicate better. Um, it was like, oh, let's um, give assertiveness training to the co-pilots. And it, you know, you can kind of guess why that might not work because you still haven't changed what the dynamic was within the community.
0: Thank you so, 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 so much Colleen. And uh, I think we've, we've exhausted- <laughs> you know, well, for the Yes, yes, for the moment. I'm conscious of uh, the time constraints, but I think finally, before I let you go, if there's one final word, let's say you have, um, a diversity and inclusion manager, listening to you, mm. what what would you say to them? What, just one final word? Um,
1: I would say, um, well, um, I would say just pay attention to language, and know that there's no one right rule, and just be aware that people come with different traditions, and trying to understand what those might be might be helpful, and at least it's a way to start conversations. And might not necessarily agree. Um, but then people have a better awareness of where the differences are and where the common um, commonalities are.
0: Mm. Thank you so much, Colleen. I can't thank you enough. And thank you for thank you, mommy. Those who have joined us. I know Paul is online, he's listening. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And it's been a real pleasure talking to Colleen. It's just like having a conversation with a friend (laughs) and I just want to use this opportunity to say thank you for all that you've poured into me all these years and your continuous support. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And, uh, Thank you, and uh, forgive us for the initial, this is the initial trial, so we, we had a, a few thieving problems, but we'll definitely <laughs> grow out of it. Thank you so much.
1: Well, and mommy, thank you. I just want to say, um, you know, I appreciate that, and I think it's better to have, you know, this is real life, and part of what you're talking about is real life, so keep up the good work. Thank you. I'm proud of you.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>